Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is Amets here with B Pimp. B Pimp, how's it going? It's going great. And if it wasn't going great, it would be now because this is an episode to remember. It's episode 140, which what does that mean? That means in our, you know, the parlance of our NBA player jersey things that we do, it's the Rain Man, Sean Kemp. That's right. The only number 40. Uh, I know there have been others out there, but if we're talking about the number 40, it's Sean Kemp. Yeah, exactly. Hands down. The, uh, the, one of the, well, I mean, when you're the best player to have ever played the sport, mm-hmm. then, I mean, whatever number you are just happens to be the most. I feel like thing. even adjacent numbers should be also brought up. Like, I think he wore, I'm going to get this wrong now. But when he played FIBA World Championships in 1994, I think he wore number seven. So that should be retired. Okay. Uh, next time we get to episode 207, it'll have to be that one. I also feel like because 40 has the numbers four and zero in it, those are now his numbers too. Yep. And 39 and 38, because there were such crappy players available for those, he gets those also. So he has five numbers so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because 40 is also divisible by five and eight, both of those numbers too. Yep. So he's at seven and he already had seven. So when he gets one more, he'll get eight plus whatever that number is. So exactly. he's, he's ranking them up. So definitely our Sean Kemp episode. One of many of our Sean Kemp episodes. Uh, but we are talking sports. Uh, perhaps basketball, perhaps baseball, perhaps football, whatever you like. I mean, those are tend to be the sports that we watch. And we're talking about our favorite color commentators. You know what? Before we jump into it, why I call them color commentators... When I look up this list, that doesn't seem to be the vernacular that everybody uses. Why, why is there no set term for what this person is? That's a good question. I think I have a theory. As you know, I am an a, uh, avid television announcer buff, I would say. I pay a lot of attention to it. I hold, hold them to a very high standard. I read a lot about it. I think... I think it's because different sports call it different things. Like in golf, it's usually like lead analysts. And then some sports will call it a color analyst. Some sports will call it a color commentator. Sometimes they just say color person, color guy, color whatever. So, I mean, they just throw like all these different, they're just loose with it. I don't know. I don't know the reason why, but I just, that might be why we just see so many different references. Yeah. It's uh, tough to keep up with, but for the purpose of the show, we'll just call it color commentator. Uh, or do you prefer a color analyst? No, I think color commentators good. I like the uh, the alliteration of it. Yeah, me too. Speaking of which, though, I I am considering a career change because you know we went over the best play by play analysts. We went. We're about to go over the best color commentators. I think this is what I got to do with my life. First of all, it probably have to be basketball. Because that's the only sport where I could possibly know enough about. Maybe I could catch up with baseball, but any other sport, forget about it. And I don't know if I could be a play-by-play person or a color commentator. I'd never played professionally, obviously, or even semi-close. And so that might make color commentating a little difficult. But if you had to say two questions. One, should I try to be a play-by-play analyst or color commentator? And what are the things I need to focus on to get the attention of these television networks so I can get a gig? 
So one, I think you definitely should be a color commentator because you have a you have a very good speaking voice, but you don't have that like rapid fire kind of speech pattern that I think a lot of play so answers have. You're <laughs> saying I talk slow. No, when I go back and edit this podcast, I swear to God, something will. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I think that plus your your natural sense of humor lends itself because color commentators always the some of the best ones are funny. Mm-hmm. So you have that. So you have you have a lot of natural traits that would give you a leg up here. I think what you need to do is make a sizzle reel, is what it's called. Ooh. See, you're giving me all the tips already. I didn't even know what I needed to do to get there. Yeah. So you need to have Maggie film you. Okay. sitting somewhere with like you are now really with headphones and a microphone and then preferably find like a pickup game going on outside and just set up shop and and start doing color commentary and then get enough of those games together and make a sizzle reel for that for the networks that you're in okay i'm gonna do that i'll find some pickup games yeah and annoy some people and instead of a microphone, I might do it with a megaphone. Do you think that would be a problem? <laughs> no, I think that's an excellent idea. Okay, good. And I think actually what you should do then is you can combine this with like material to get a job and also YouTube videos because then you can like go dunk on them and it'll be like color commentator, aspiring color commentator switches gears and dunks on pickup game crew or something. I, I love that idea. The only issue is I don't think I can dunk on anyone. Unless it's a stepladder. Well, I think you can do it. If you step on someone and then like jump onto somebody else. Yeah, the Tom Chambers effect. <laughs> yeah. You, like you bounce up off of somebody. If I can get like just that right angle. Definitely. That's all you need. And then you're in. Then you, then you have a YouTube income supplanting your current job. And then you're switching careers. So that gives you a little transition money. While, while you make That's a big color commentator. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. And... Other people won't tell you this. Two kids don't come free. Nope. Nope. It's, that's money. You got to spend the money because they're going to be successful members of society. And you're, you're the person fostering that along. Hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> Is Elena working yet? <laughs> Not yet. No. It's turn three. It's like, come on. God, three. Yeah. Unbelievable. What's she doing? You can get a part-time uh, job at three. I think so. Just like, I don't know, running the fries at McDonald's. Yeah. Put her near a fryer. That's good. <laughs> That's good I will say the, like I had her crack an egg over the stove that was on against the pan. I was like, this is this, this is bad parenting. But I'm going to watch her real close. <laughs> Basically, How'd like, you do? Oh, great. I mean, I like held her hand and the egg as I did it over the pan, which is on super low heat. I don't think even if she had touched the pan, it would have been hot. Okay. But well, then how's she going to learn? this? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, if, if I can't get my children to make money for us, this, I'm going to try to be a color commentator then. I can't wait. I'll watch every game that you color commentate on. I will have to travel. It just occurred to me. Yeah. Kind of a lot. And that's why one of the people on my list actually recently retired for the reason of too much travel. So that's a little foreshadowing for you. Oh. All right. Um, okay. Before we jump into the color commentators, I have a whiskey to try. 
This is after all the whiskey sessions podcast, but what's a little bit different about this and what makes me slightly nervous is that it's the Glenlivet Caribbean Reserve. And the reason they call it Caribbean Reserve is because, uh, and it's said here somewhere, oh yes, uh, it is selectively finished in barrels that held Caribbean rum. That's pretty interesting. It is, although I think we have both discussed maybe at length on this podcast that we're not, not we're kind of out on rum. Right. Um, I feel like I am probably out on rum for the rest of my life with how much I drank in college. So that's what makes me a little bit anxious. Maybe I won't like the rum finish, uh, but we shall see. So again, Glen Levitt, Caribbean Reserve, uh, single malt scotch whiskey. It is 40% alcohol by volume, 80 proof. Uh, and it says it has sweet and tropical notes. So we'll see. I've got it on the rocks here. Very fancy looking bottle, I have to say. While well, you're, I like the, yeah, the shape of nice. the Glen Levitt bottle. Yeah. Smell the cork a little bit. What are you smelling? Whiskey. Yeah. It actually, I will say, it does have a little bit of, just a little bit of sweetness to the smell. Um, so maybe that's. The, the sweetness they're talking about there. It has a, actually a very strong smell in my glass. Kind of a... I'm trying to put my finger on exactly what that sweetness is. It reminds me vaguely of like a Sour Apple Jolly Rancher. Mm. Not quite as, as pungent as that maybe, but definitely has some sweetness to it. They didn't put some of that apple Crown Royal I had years ago in that bottle, did they? I'm a little bit nervous that, that that's what they did. They just took like normal Glen Levitt. They had a couple of bottles of that lying around and just filled it to the top and called it Caribbean style or whatever. While laughing, you know, menace, <laughs> yeah. menacingly in the, in the empty distillery. <laughs> that reminds me of this was not my idea, so I'm not going to feel that bad about it. But we did something called like a Grey Goose party where the host of the party bought two bottles of Grey Goose, which is you know, kind of expensive, uh, but then refilled the bottles of Grey Goose with something much cheaper after that ran out. <laughs> Keep calling it a Grey It was ridiculous. Although I remember that actually. Twenty-year-olds are not going to know the difference. Yeah, might have been Skull. Who knows? Oh, Skull. Oh. All right, I'm going to give this a taste. I have a prediction, but I don't want to ruin your your reaction. So I'm going to I'm going to reveal it after you're done. So it's no longer a prediction. <laughs> First taste uh, has a pretty good mouthfeel. Um, not not a lot of punch. It doesn't have the same notes that I expect with the scotch. I kind of joke that like I don't drink a lot of scotch, and I joke that if I wanted a scotch, I would just take a bourbon and drop my cigarette in it. <laughs> yes, that's a great <laughs> or, or or grass clippings. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but I would say. This doesn't have any kind of sense of like that, that scotch smoke really at all. Uh, it does have that sweet taste. It doesn't have the same like warming fire that a bourbon does. Um, but an overall, a, a pretty good sensation. I'm going to give that a quick second. I'll give it a second taste. This is, that was my prediction. It was, I thought the rum barrels might take that edge of scotch that we don't like off. So I'm glad you said that right away. Great prediction, because it, it mm -hmm. very much is taking the edge off the scotch, which is 
Maybe rum barreled scotch is how I want my scotches from now on. That's right. And not scotch barreled rum, because that's even worse than regular like, right. rum, I feel like. That's like, that's <laughs> yeah. like taking a negative and making it an even way worse negative. <laughs> uh, that would not be good. All right. Well, honestly, I don't even need to give it a third sip. I'm going to give it a third sip. But before I do that, I am going to go ahead and put this on the smooth train. I like it. Yes. It, uh, you know, I think between the, the rum uh, barrels and the fact that it was a scotch, I was a little nervous going in. But the two mix pretty well together. It takes a little bit of the edge off the scotch, just enough. It's got a little bit of sweetness, but not too much. It has a little bit of warming, but, you know, I'm recording this not very late. So actually, at this time of day, I don't even really want the warming. And it's kind of perfect. It works together. Yeah. I'm glad. I, I, when you told me the name of this, I was hoping that it would be good because it intrigued me and I want to try it. So, Yeah, give it a go. Go ahead and get yourself some Glen Levitt Caribbean Reserve. Always good to have another one on, another passenger on our smooth train. Yes. It's going to be a pretty long train. I, I'm curious. This is 140 episodes. If you were to guess, not looking it up, how many whiskeys do you think we have on the smooth train? We've got a, probably past 100, right? I would say, yeah, I would say a hundred because I also, I've never given a whiskey the boot. So that gives you at least 70. Uh, that's not <laughs> and then, and then you're, you have, a, you are almost the opposite. So when you put us together, <laughs> so 71, 71. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, you're right. It's I probably it's around a hundred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't, yeah. I can't think of 40 whiskeys that I've gotten the boot. Usually when we give the boot to something, I mean, there's been a few that have been on the edge and then we end up booting them, but usually it's something that's just awful. And we're like, no, I will admit, I I used to be more intentional about getting a couple of really cheap whiskeys, just like knowing that they would probably get the boot. Last few times I've been to the store. I mean, one, I've actually had a lot of those whiskeys already, but I'm also like, no, thanks. I don't even want to like go in and try it. Yeah, the the thing that this is the bad part about us having not to get too inside baseball, but we buy our own whiskeys still. So, um, you know, I don't want I want to try more and be like, hey, maybe this one's cheaper, but maybe it's good. But then I I don't like throwing stuff away and I don't want to have to, like, force myself to drink some crap whiskey. You know, like if I had like a whiskey charity I could donate to nearby, then I would do that. But I don't know of one. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) either. I would question that charity for sure. If we're taking any, you can give us your <laughs> any full level bottle of whiskey. We're taking it. Yeah. For a while there, when you were getting like half filled bottles of whiskey for whatever reason, I assumed you were getting it from that charity. Yeah. That, that is really what was happening. <laughs> I knew it. Wait, the charity is yours, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is how uh, I get all the whiskeys. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, okay, we got to get to our color commentators. Anything that you want to... I mean, we're, we're talking about the, the best color commentators of all time, but like I said on the last episode, it's not really all time. It's, we, it's our favorites. Yeah. So exactly. some of them maybe are doing it still, some of them maybe not, but, you know, for sure, we're not talking about somebody who is a color commentator in the 50s. Right. I have a, I would say for my, my little teaser for mine is like, I have a good mix of sports. I have a lot of recency bias, I think. And I also favor humor very highly. So that's kind of the, the gist of what ended up happening for me. 
Nice. I would say I don't have a great mix of sports. It's pretty basketball heavy, but uh, still, I'm curious to hear a list. So without further ado, let's get into it. These are our favorite top five best color commentators. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. Okay. My number five is Marquez Johnson, who... Uh, currently is the color commentator for the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's great. He used to be the color commentator for the Sonics, um, and he was a welcome breath of fresh air after the color commentator they had before, which might be on my next episode uh, of least favorite uh, broadcasters. But, yeah, he just, great voice, really blended well with Kevin Calabro on the Sonics broadcast. Uh, I think similar with the Bucks broadcast. He just brings a lot of knowledge uh, and it just kind of has that like perfectly almost reassuring voice. Like this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I haven't heard an extensive amount of his work, but I've heard him and he's, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. All right. Who is your number five? My number five is somebody we've talked about fondly on this podcast before. And that is Mr. Bill Walton himself. Wow. Okay. I love Bill Walton. He's very silly. He almost doesn't even commentate on basketball most of the time. He's usually like ruminating about, you know, his theories about what's in Area 51 or like conspiracy theories or singing Grateful Dead songs. I, who knows what he's doing, but it's always great and entertaining. It is. And I will say it's funny because I could break up Bill Walton's career almost to Latter-day Bill Walton, I could almost put him on my list. I have him as an honorable mention. Earlier on Bill Walton, like 90s Bill Walton, I would almost have him as one of my least favorite. And it's, I think as he has gotten more comfortable in this kind of role and just decided to do whatever, he's gotten much better. He's great. Sometimes it's, I mean, listen, he's, I understand he's an acquired taste and almost kind of like one of those people that's like, hate him or hate him or love him. Because sometimes it's like, he's just being like a obstinate, like arguing with the, with the play-by-play guy, just like playing jokes on him. And you know, if somebody's really into the game, maybe they're going to be like, what are you doing? But I'm usually watching, he does pac 12 mostly now. And I'm usually just watching like as a, somebody who likes basketball. So I don't have like a rooting interest and I'm just, that's exactly what I want for that yeah no he does a really great job there um all right my number four is i'm dipping into the world of football just a little bit because honestly as soon as he retired he basically became a broadcaster right when he retired and he's good at it uh and knowledgeable and so i'm, I'm giving number four to tony romo i'll uh, not- i'll have some things to say about him to myself today yeah i think he yeah he's you know, again, I, I mentioned like I've mentioned it before. Football is like my third to later favorite sport, um, and I, I additionally also find like a lot of football commentators like kind of abrasive. Like I don't like listening to them, but he like knows the ins and outs, like really specifics of the game, uh, but is still like for a slightly more like football layperson like me, like great to listen to. Yeah, he's really good at explaining the game. Yeah. No, he is, he's, he's great. So I had to put him on my list. Uh, who is your number four? My number four is White Sox and erstwhile Cubs broadcaster Steve Stone. Such a good one. I last minute took him off my list. Yeah. Uh, so, Stone Pony. 
he would have been really close. He's great. He's good. He's like I don't really have the patience to watch baseball anymore, but when I watched it regularly regularly, I liked him a lot. I think he's got a good kind of similar to what you were talking about, where it's like the right type of voice for it, the right type of kind of mix of humor and like he knows the game really well, especially pitching, because he was such a good pitcher when he played. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's he just he brings a lot to a broadcast, I think. He works really well with Jason Benetti, too. Yes, absolutely. That's a good combo. And I was kind of waiting for that to happen with Stoney. Like, he was so good, singularly. But whenever he had to work with Hawk, it didn't work that well. Cubs. He was with the Cubs. When was that? It was like, he, had Harry, he was with Harry Carey, and then he was with Chip Carey. Oh, that's right. So through the 90s, basically. Yeah, I mean, Chip Carey makes a lot of... His voice is fine, but he makes a lot of mistakes. He's yeah. He's like he's a like Joe Buck. Everybody likes to crap on Chip Curry. Yeah. So, but I mean, all that like this is this to me has felt like a really good fit for Steve Stone mm-hmm. to bring that analysis. Absolutely. All right. My number three is Doris Burke, and she works like speaking of combos. The combo with her and Mark Jones, who I think like just missed my list last time, or maybe it was on number five. I forget. Uh, but. Like she, that combo works super well. She's very knowledgeable about the game. What I really like about her though, is that she is like super not judgmental of the players. Yeah. In a way I can't like really explain it, but she's, you know, she's always looking on the, it's easy to like shit on a player for having a certain type of personality or a certain deficiency in their game. And she doesn't do that, uh, which I really like. Yeah, she's she's um, my number one honorable mention. I really like her. She's like probably the best. Honestly, I might say the best NBA color commentator they have, in my opinion. But uh, all right, we are to your number three. Yes, my number three is a golf commentator who is retiring, who is the person I was referring to just a little while ago, Nick Faldo. Oh, so he doesn't want to travel anymore. No, he, he, he turned professional at the age of 18, and I think he's now like 65, 66. So between his playing career, which was really long, and then he basically retired and went straight into being the lead commentator, he, he's like, I'm just sick of flying everywhere and living in hotels, and he's got like a couple kids. I think he has like a ranch in Montana. Uh, so he's like, I just want to go fish and spend time with my family and He's great though. He's golf needs like he, he was, it's rare for somebody that good at something to become like a color commentator. He was one of the greatest golfers of all time and like just knows how to explain every aspect of the game. He's also got a good sense of humor and likes the humility. Like even though he was that good, it's not like he's preachy or anything. He, he understands how hard it is. So there's that combo of like, he gets it. Hmm. He knows like what players are going through mentally usually and he can explain a lot of the nuances of like when things go wrong and all that kind of stuff like swing mechanics he's really he's really excellent at it and it's going to be a bummer that he's retiring yeah that's too bad all right my number two is the bull's own stacy king oh yeah to me stacy king is is really almost everything you want in a color commentator like he's maybe a little bit of a homer but that's like not a big deal um, I just love hearing about his playing experience. I love the different terms he uses. 
nicknames. Uh, he brings so much life to that podcast where it's Neil Funk that usually works with, right? It's Adam Amin now. Oh, Adam Amin. Okay. He brings a lot to that broadcast. It, it, and it's no shot at either Adam Amin or Neil Funk. But like, like you know the Bulls broadcast for Stacey King. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, I've heard him on a couple of podcasts as well. And I, I just, I think sometimes his knowledge of the game too uh, gets underrated because he is also a good, like, showman type, uh, like, voice. But he knows a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, for that reason, great voice. Um, kind of love it when, you know, the players have played for the team, too. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I got to say, Stacy King, I miss hearing that voice. Yeah, he does. He makes me laugh every, like, more regularly than a lot of color commentators, I would say. They come up with some good stuff. Yeah. No, he tries to, I, I think him more than a lot of other folks, too, really tries to make it an enjoyable listening experience. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who is your number two? My number two is Tony Romo. Oh. Yeah, he's, um, I think one of the hardest things to do <clears throat> for football, like the reason that Troy Aikman would never be anywhere on this list is he knows a lot about it, but he, I don't ever learn anything from Troy Aikman. Like I want somebody who knows how to explain it. Does, like Tony Romo is, I think the reason he's so such a hot commodity is because he has that modern take where he can break down a play really quick. He can like see, this is why he was such a good quarterback too. Like he can see what's happening. and kind of almost predicts stuff like Steve Stone does with baseball. So people are like, Oh, Tony Romo knew what's going to happen again. And that's just like, he had that vision for, how a play unfolds. Like he understands what a defense is trying to do and stuff. And I think that's helpful because I'm like a really avid football fan, but I don't know the X's and O's of like line play and like, why might they be doing this to like, what, what is like the chess match of it and all that stuff. And he does a good job of explaining that. So I really like his approach to it. Now he really does. Uh, great. I think that's the, what is that? The only one we've had overlapping on our list so far. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious as to who your number one is. My number one, I this was tough. This is actually was a very tough list to decide a number one on because I liked everybody that I that I listed, and I would say the number one person I picked doesn't necessarily have what I feel like is the best voice. But re- what I really like about my number one is uh, a couple of elements. He doesn't give a shit, seemingly about anything, and will call it out if there is something fundamentally wrong with the NBA and how a certain call goes. Yeah. This happens quite a lot. So my number one is Jeff Van Gundy. I knew exactly who you meant from that description. Yeah. And yeah, I I love it when he will kind of be the voice of the fan to say like, you know, it's a bad thing that we're having to like do a replay review that takes five minutes for every out of bounds in the last two minutes of a game. Right. He's also been one of the lead voices of getting rid of the take foul in the NBA. And they finally, finally have made that a rule not to do that anymore. So yeah, I just saw that he's done a lot of good for the game and calling that kind of stuff out. So, uh, sometimes he's, he's I'll admit like a pretty dour person, but I had to put him number one. Yeah, I can understand it. I think I definitely understand. Like, I do think he's very knowledgeable. It's just like he grinds on me sometimes and I just yeah. can't 
Like, I'm like, oh, come on, man. I don't like Mark Jackson either. So I'm just like, yeah, it's I'm, tough for me that, that NBA team. Uh, yeah, Mark Jackson is, I don't like him too much either. Although I don't mind the saying, there goes that man. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> he says that all the time. Uh, all right. I don't know who it's going to be. Who's your number one? My number one is a elder statesman of college basketball announcing Bill Raftery. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see this. I love Bill Raftery. I love all of his weird. He has like a weird sense of humor in a way. A lot of these people I rate highly do. He he'll come up with some, I watch a lot of college basketball, especially closer to the tournament. And he does like the big CBS games and he'll do a lot of tournament games and stuff. And He's got like a lot of cool little sayings that he does every game. Like they always clear the runway for him at the very beginning of the game. And he'll be like, Villanova Wildcats open in a man to man. Like he just announces the defense. <laughs> it's weird, but he's got all these weird sayings and it's just, he's so entertaining. I just love, I'm always excited when I see that he's doing the game. I'm like, yes, especially when it's Ian Eagle and Bill Raftery. I'm like in heaven. Cause it's like the best combo. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I gotta think about that a little bit more because maybe I would put him on my list. I don't think I've paid enough attention to the college basketball commentators. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, who do you got on your honorable mention list? I had Doris Burke number one. She barely missed. If she would have been my number five. It was just neck and neck. Um, I did put Jeff Van Gundy just because I do think he's really knowledgeable and does a good job of it, even though he's maybe not my favorite, but I wanted to put him on honorable mention. Um, Stacey King, same way. Um, and then Robbie Hummel and Jim Spinarkle are two other um, college basketball uh, color commentators that I think are exceedingly good at their jobs. So I wanted to mention them. Nice. Uh, well, I have Steve Stone at the top, as well as the Warriors color commentator, who I, I really like a lot and had difficulty leaving him off my list. But Kalena Isabuki is oh, really? really good. Okay. Uh, but I think it'll take him even a little bit more time to maybe come into his own uh, as a color commentator. But he, I know, will be on my list in a few years for sure. Wasn't he playing like not that long ago? Yeah, not that long ago. He's not. Okay. okay. Um, the rest are a whole host of basketball guys. But, you know, I do like Chris Webber. I like Brent Berry. Although Brent Berry does not have like a good commentating voice at all, but he's knowledgeable. Uh, Greg Anthony, uh, Steve Kerr. When he was doing it, I actually thought... Oh, yeah. He was good, yeah. The Nets combo that they have right now in Richard Jefferson and Sarah Kustak is really good. So both mm. on my honorable mention, and I'll say specifically Latter-day Bill Walton. Yeah. Um, the man. But yeah, it's... Uh, no, there's a lot of good ones to choose from. And, you know, I mentioned we're talking basketball, and I, I can't... I don't want to neglect to talk about it, but uh, I wanted to give a shout out uh, and a rest in peace to Bill Russell uh, because I was recently thinking about like, who are the most pe famous people like I have ever met? And I had an opportunity once to shake Bill Russell's hand, his gigantic hand. I think I was in high school or maybe early college and it was on a, uh, like a public golf course in Seattle, Jefferson. Um, and he was playing there and uh, I won't forget that. So rest in peace, Bill Russell. Truthfully, I'm not going to like, everybody talks Jordan and LeBron. I'm not even going to get into that. But the fact that the man had 11 championships 
played against Wilt Chamberlain and kicked his ass repeatedly. Like, you got to give it up for Bill Russell. Yeah, there was some stat that Bob Ryan mentions all the time from Boston Globe about like all the anytime he was in an elimination game or like had to win, they always he never lost. He was like undefeated, like the Olympics or like college. I mean, whatever it was, like he always won all those games. The ultimate winner for sure. Yep. All right, we got to get to your emails for this episode uh, again. You know, folks, if you want to write to us, we're at whiskey sessions music at gmail and also hit up our Twitter page. That's at Whiskey Sessions. Uh, but we've got some emails to read for this episode, so let's get to it. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right, Beacon, what have we got in the old email inbox? Dear Whiskey Sessions, I'm insulted that you didn't have any cricket announcers in your top five play-by-play list. I didn't think the Whiskey Sessions pod was so unworldly. For shame. From Hari in India. Oh. Well, I'm sorry, Hari. I'm sorry, Hari, too, because I just don't know cricket. I mean, this is... We, we never said that... We also didn't say it was the best. So, just because we personally... I mean, like, I personally am not a cricket fan. There's no, there's nothing lesser about it. So, I apologize that we didn't have representation. I know someone named Hari who was born in India. Oh. I if this is the same person. Maybe. Probably not. But who knows? You never know. From what I understand, India has a lot of people. It does. I believe so. I think it's going to pass China for population at some point, but I don't know when that's supposed to be. Oh, wow. Uh, All right. I got another email that says, hey, guys, if you ever decide to pivot your podcast to be about baking, you could pretty easily just call it the whisking sessions. You'd hardly notice the difference. What do you think? And this is from Cheryl in Mobile, Alabama. Is it mobile or mobile? It's mobile. Mobile. That's right. Okay. Uh, Cheryl, uh, love it. I love where your mind's at. I really think we do. I don't know if I have the knowledge or drive to helm this whisking sessions I certainly adventure, but I, I really hope that it gets off the ground. Yeah. Uh, it would be a fun, and then we could do a crossover podcast. Maybe you put like whiskey in a certain amount of baked goods. Cause there's such a thing as like a rum cake. Yeah. We'll make it happen. We'll have whiskey brownies and then we'll have it like, it'll be that logo where it'll be like whiskey X whisking. And it'll be like a crossover. Perfect. Oh, yeah. it'll be the hit we've been waiting for. The world has been waiting for <laughs> All right. Uh, again, if you want to write in, go ahead and hit us up at whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. We will read your email on a future episode. But that is it for this episode, our Sean Kemp episode plus 100. B Pimp, you got any words of wisdom to leave our listeners with? Third offshoot podcast, The Whisker Sessions. Ooh, it's not about cats, is it? No. Okay, good. It's about not shaving. Yes, correct. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm down to shaving twice a week and I itch like crazy. I need to shave more than that. You got to listen to the whisker sessions. <laughs> I do. All right. Until next time, this is Amen. Sam. Peace out. And B Pimp saying, see you later.